0: Um, we are in week three of a series called God's Design. Um, and uh, today, uh, we, Jake, a couple of weeks ago, laid a great foundation for it. Last week, we talked about God's design for masculinity. Today's message is God's design for femininity. Femininity. Um, and there's something incredibly scary about being up here and talking to women about God's design for you, I feel um, I, I feel a little bit like I do when I play with um, changing a light switch or a or an outlet in my house, and that electricity is there, and you're thinking, is that going to get me or not? You know, is it going to explode? But here's here's the big picture. Um, when we look at God's word. Uh, the, the design that God has for us, no matter who we are, we can trust him. We can trust him. The, 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 uh, the bottom line really has been, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about this in, in, in a little bit, but when God's our desire, we can trust his design. When we want to pursue God more than anything else, we can trust that his design for us is going to take us to a good place. Um, there are there are three ground rules for this series and for this message that that I want you to to kind of honor. The first is this: make sure that you hear what I say, not what you think I say. All right, not that that you don't um, go down a, a, a trail from words or whatever that uh, that I'm not trying to go there. So so listen closely. Stay with me on that. So the 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 uh, the second ground rule, the second guideline that's there is to make sure that if if you think, man, Rick, you are so wrong in this, this is not what scripture says, that you go to scripture to discover what the truth is, that that's the basis that we go to over and over and over again. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what your mother's, neighbor's, uncle's pastor says, right? It doesn't matter what somebody on TV says. What matters is what Scripture says. That's that's the bottom line, and the third the third guideline is uh, that this is an elbow free zone. All right, that means husbands, you're not allowed to poke your wives' ribs today. Wives, you're not allowed to poke husbands' ribs. It means listen to this for you. Listen to discover what God is saying to you about His design for for how you live uh, in in this um, in this life. Um, I I wanna acknowledge again the challenge that's there in in speaking this message. um, This week, several people have asked if I'm courageous in preaching this or stupid. Um, And I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but I do trust God's word. I trust that God's word is is gonna come through. Um, When God's your desire, you can trust his design. That truth is so true because our lives are not going to conform to God's will for us if we don't trust him. Uh, if we become the standard, if we determine, this is what my life is supposed to look like, we will never be what God has designed for us to be. We'll never become who God wants us to be. We'll never experience a relationship with God in the way that he wants us to, if we become the arbiter of, of what's right, wrong, and how we fit. God's designed for all of humanity, don't miss this, this is foundational to, to this series, to this message, God's design for all all of humanity is that we would be in relationship with him. More than anything else, God wants us to know him, to love him, and to allow him to be in complete charge of our lives. That's God's design. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he made a way for our sin to get um, out of the way. And so that we could be back in relationship with him in, in, a, in an incredibly cool way. All of us have a flawed understanding of who we are. All of, us, all of us don't have a clear perspective of who we are and how we relate to God. It's only from God's word. Only, only through him that we can understand that and live that out. Um, God's, God wants all of us to have a relationship with him. Um, And it's because he loves us. If I can communicate anything with a magnitude of truth this morning, it's this. God really loves us. Doesn't matter if if right now you're in a season where everything's a mess. Doesn't matter if you're in a season right now where everything is great. God really loves us. His desire, his design, his plan for us is to be in relationship with him and to experience that love. So that's the big picture. So now let's dive in and begin to do some just foundational work from Scripture before I get to kind of the conclusion in terms of this is how I understand what God's design for femininity for women is. So um, If you've got your Bibles, take those out. If you've got uh, the North Point app, go ahead and open that up. Uh, dive into the, to the, uh, where it says this week's talk. And know this, I said this last week, and, and you guys were great. If during the message some stuff comes up and you're thinking, "What do you mean by that?" or "Does this mean that?" down at the bottom of the notes in the app, um, there is a place that you can submit questions at any point in time during the message. And last week we had nine follow-up questions that w- that we dealt with in the podcast that went out on Tuesday morning. Feel free to do that. Take advantage of that. Genesis chapter one. Um, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Don't miss this. This is, this is fundamental to understanding this message. God created two sexes. Uh, not a spectrum, not a differentiation with, uh, with uh, sex and gender. God made men, God made women. Male and female, he created them. From the, from, um, from the time that communities began to form, Communities have been, cultures have been, have, have created, um, norms, mores, for how men and women should relate to each other. Uh, what's appropriate for men, what's appropriate for women, what's not appropriate. Um, you know, Some of those things are, the man should be a strong, silent type. A woman is defined by her ability to, to give birth and raise children. A man could be promiscuous. A woman's supposed to be chaste. A, a woman's body, head, face should be covered, not seen by anybody except her husband. The man should build or buy a home for his family. Those are all cultural mores about roles of men and women. That's not what we're talking about today. Okay, that's not where we're going. Um, What we're, what we want to do is take a look at scripture and see, okay, what is God's design for men, for women specifically today? Jump down to Genesis chapter two, verse 18. The Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Verse 20. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the, the, the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man. And he brought her to the man. Don't miss this. God created sun, moon, stars, earth, land, seas, uh, vegetation, trees. He created grass and mountains and Beaches, he created fish and animals, creepy crawly things, birds. And God looked at it all and said, This is, this is good. This is good. And then out of dust, God forms a man and he breathes into him the breath of life. And instantly, all of the systems that we, that exist in our body, respiratory system, circulatory system, neurological system, all those systems began to work because of the breath of God. And God said, that's good, but there's something missing. It's not quite complete. And he says about Adam, he needs a helper. He needs a partner. He needs a completer. God has Adam fall asleep. God takes a rib from Adam, uses that to to fashion a woman that ultimately is named Eve. He brings her to Adam and God says, you know what? This is really good, man and woman together, that that, um, connection with each other. The design for every woman starts with a relationship with God as the one who loves her. And then it extends to, to, um, to relationships with the people who exist around her. There's, there's a vertical relationships, there's a vertical relationship, and there are horizontal relationships. That's part of God's design. God wired women to engage with others in the world. Don't miss this, ladies. It's not okay to close off everybody from who you are, to live in isolation, to live with barriers around you. That's not what God created women to be or to do. Um, You know what what happens next? God places Adam and Eve in the garden. It's a place of beauty and nourishment. Um, They're in perfect harmony with God, and every need that they have is taken care of. And Satan comes to Eve and says, did God really say that you, that you can't eat from the, from the trees in the garden? And Eve says, no, we can eat from all of them except one. She gets in a conversation with the master deceiver. She eats fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She gives it to Adam. He eats it as well because he's right there alongside with her. Their eyes are opened and sin enters the world. Once they've eaten that fruit, they're filled with shame, and they hide from God. And God ultimately says, "Here are the consequences that you're going to live with. Here are the consequences that are going to occur um, on Earth because of the choices that you, that you've made." God curses the serpent, and in that curse, in that curse, He gives glimpse of the hope that ultimately will come through Jesus—hope um, for redemption, restoration, forgiveness. He describes the punishment that was, that's gonna come to, to man. And guys, let me just encourage you to take some time. We didn't really talk about it a lot last week, but look at the end of, of Genesis chapter three because there's, there's the consequences for Adam's sin that's there as well. But in Genesis chapter three, verse 16, it says this. To the woman, God said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you, that the last half of that verse needs a, a really close examination for us. He says, "Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. The word desire in the in, in the original language is an interesting word. It could mean that Eve would have a romantic desire for Adam. it could mean that that she would have a need for Adam, that, that Eve would need him emotionally, that she would need him physically, that she would need him for protection. Or it could mean that Eve would have a desire to be in charge, but Adam was going to be placed in authority over her. That amplified version, I, I've talked about this before, the one that fleshes out the, the, the meanings, the nuances of the words says this, to the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth and pain. You will give birth to children. Yet your desire and longing will be for your husband and he will rule with authority over you and be responsible for you. In our culture that all of a sudden there's this sense of saying, ah, that just feels funny to me that my, that the husband would rule over the wife. But God set that up for some reason. If you go to Ephesians chapter five, it says this in verse 21, it says, submit to one another. Um, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, but he's writing to men and women. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, both men and women submit. And then he says this, wives, Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husbands are the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. A part of God's design for women is that the husband would be the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Don't miss that. That the husband would, would have the same kind of relationship with his wife as Christ has with the church. To me, as I analyze that scripture, as I look at it, it brings up this question to say, is Christ the head of the church? The biblical answer to that clearly is yes. Christ is the head of the church. Um, but there are a lot of really messed up churches that don't really yield to Christ. They do their own thing. They live on their own. And the result of that is that the church ends up being a mess because Jesus is to be the head of the church. God created this system in a, in a marriage relationship where the husband has responsibility. He, ha- he has some sense of authority that's there that scripture tells us, um, so Paul says, and let me, let me be clear, he says to both men and women that they're t- to submit to each other because of their love for Jesus. But he says, wives, submit to your husband. Willingly yield your leadership to their authority. Now, what's that mean? What, what doesn't that mean? That doesn't mean that you can't make decisions, that you can't take action without your husband's okay. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean that you're a timid wallflower and that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you become invisible in life. It simply means that you operate and flourish within the design that God created, that God gave us. It doesn't mean that you submit if your husband asks you to betray your commitment to Jesus. Submit, submission doesn't mean that you can't have healthy boundaries, especially for safety issues. Um, how, how do I know that when you look at this scripture, particularly in our cultural context, when we read into it, lots of negative stuff, how do I know that, that the wife isn't supposed to be a second-class citizen, that she's not supposed to be subhuman? It's because when God was giving uh, instructions in creation, he gives the same instruction to both Adam and Eve, to both men and women. If you go back to Genesis one twenty eight, it says this all of creation's there, all the animals are there. God's talking with Adam and Eve, and it says this in, in verse twenty eight of chapter one. God blessed Adam and Eve. He blessed them and he said to them, He blessed them both, and he said to both of them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God gave the same admonition, the same direction, the same um, instruction to both Adam and Eve. There is no sense in God's design that the man's up here and the woman's down here. It's not that at all. But God has in this design, this structure that he's created. Adam and Eve both had equal value to God. Adam and Eve are both going to be accountable to God. Men and women, it doesn't matter what our status is, we're all going to be accountable to God. Galatians 3, in Christ, there's neither Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We're all going to be accountable to God. We're all on equal footing with God. But both Adam and Eve have to figure out how to live in God's design. God gives Eve a charge to yield to Adam's leadership. I wanna, I wanna look at one more scripture that speaks to God's design for women. This is 1 Peter chapter three, verses one through six. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them don't believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what's right and don't give way to fear. The verses out of that passage that I want you to take a special look at are verses three and four. Your beauty shouldn't come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Peter doesn't say dressing up and looking good is a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I think he probably makes a case for women to do those things. To take care of what's on the outside. But he says that's a secondary issue. The primary issue has to do with who you are on the inside. With what's going on in your inner self. He says the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Um, The word that Peter uses there, uh, the word that's translated gentle it doesn't mean weak or wimpy. It's a word that communicates strength or power, uh, strength under power. It's it's like a woman Marine who chooses not to use the power that, that she's developed outside of the context of war. It's a woman who's strong and smart, but chooses not to demand to be in control. The word that's translated quiet that's there, it doesn't mean silent. It doesn't mean that a woman shouldn't speak. It means that she has a tranquil spirit, a sense of peace and calm, that she's not filled with anxiety and stress. What is it that God says that makes a woman beautiful? Not what's on the outside, not the parts that you can see, but what's on the inside. Like Last week, I I wanna give you three words that describe God's design for a woman. We're not talking about personality. We're not talking about giftedness. We're talking about a blueprint that's designed into women that you can embrace or that you can choose to dismiss. These aren't the only three words or concepts, but I think they're qualities that are relevant to us here in the West in 2021. Um, before I say the words, let me let me remind you of the ground rules that we started with. Okay, um, hear what I say, not what I don't say. All right, or don't don't go to a place that I'm not going. Um, examine the scriptures to determine whether these words that I give you are accurate, whether they're they're applicable, whether they're consistent with all of Scripture. And third, um, just just worry about how this applies to you, not not to anybody else. What what are the three qualities? That, that I think God has designed into women. Um, before I give you those three words, um, know that this is, if this is part of God's design for women, it doesn't just apply if a woman's married. It applies to single women, whether they're single for a season or single for a lifetime. It applies to girls who are growing into women. uh, These qualities apply in the relationships in your family, how you live in the body of Christ, the church. God's design applies to you in the workplace as well, in your role and in your work in the community. So here are the three words. God's design for women is to be collaborative, compassionate, and to have an extra measure of trust. I think that's how God wired them based on what scripture says. Collaborative, compassionate, and trust. Let's flesh that out for the next few minutes. When when God creates a woman to be a helper, a helpmeet, those words from Genesis, um, a partner for man, that's a part of his design. And the, the word that we've chosen in today's message is the word collaborator. A collaborator is a team builder, somebody who helps everyone focus On a common vision. A collaborator doesn't mean weaker. Helper doesn't mean weaker. Pause just for a second and think about this. Psalm 121, Hebrews 13, uh, Psalm 41, John 14 all describe God as our helper. And God is not weaker than the humanity that he's created, right? He comes alongside. But he's not less than in any sense. A helper has the ability to see things that other people cannot see, that another person may not see. A helper has skills and resources that the person that they're helping doesn't have. A helper has insights and wisdom that the person that they help doesn't have. A helper is incredibly important and valuable to the person who's being helped. A collaborator, a helper is a person with competency, with initiative, with purpose. That collaboration, I think, is a great picture of one aspect of God's design for humanity. He designed for us all to work together in unity. But I think that he designed into women this special quality of being a helper, of coming alongside, of working alongside with her husband and and with others as well collaborator compassion where's uh, compassion where's that come from that passage of scripture that we looked at in first peter 3 describes a tenderness a focus on others and their needs i think the word compassion captures those qualities god's design for women is not that they would be cold and unfeeling unconcerned about others or how their actions impact others God designed compassion and tenderness in his blueprint for women. This is not a a sappy, weepy, hallmark kind of tenderness, right? It's not that. It's a a focus on the development and the nurture of, of the people who are in their lives. Ladies, there is no need to run from that. I would encourage you to embrace it, to lean into it and see how your life impacts those around you. And as you do that, recognize that it impacts you as well. What's, what's this concept of extra measure of trust that's a part of God's design for women? Um, Genesis 2, Ephesians 5, 1 Peter 3 all describe a relationship where a husband has an added responsibility for his wife and family. Um, for a woman with with skills and competencies in her own ideas and values to yield to the leadership of her husband takes an extra measure of trust. It really does. Um, it's, it's, uh, It's not trust in him, but ultimately a trust in God. The trust isn't a blind trust. It's not a trust that follows without any thought, concern, or discernment it 's a very intentional trust in God that 's put into effect after what might e- even be an intense collaborative conversation and discussion. Deb and i don 't have arguments we have intense discussions right Anybody, any, um, there's this There is this sense that God wired into woman into women this ability to have and a level of trust and faith that I don't think men have. Because when, when, when you operate in a, in a blueprint, in a design that has a husband in authority or others in authority over you, you ultimately say, I trust God that you created this design. And I'm going to live in that. And that takes an extra measure of trust. Trust doesn't replace spiritual responsibility Um, you're still responsible to God, can't disobey God. Trust doesn't allow you to place yourself in physical uh, danger if your husband or who's ever in charge would ask you to. Um, This trust doesn't mean that as a woman that you won't express your thoughts and opinions. God's design for a woman to be a collaborator, a helper, means that she should speak up and share that input. But God created women with the ability to have an extra measure of trust and faith. They've got to depend on God if their husband messes up. It takes an extra measure of trust in God to not jump in and take control. To recognize that God really is sovereign and we can trust him in every area of our lives. Are we saying that men don't need to collaborate and help others, that they don't need to have compassion and tenderness, that they don't need to trust and also submit? Not, not at all. I think this is, I think when you study scripture, this is how God hired hardwired women. It's a, it's at a different level than there was, than, than the call that's there for those qualities in a man. It's a part of God's fingerprint on how women are designed. It transcends the marriage relationship. Women, God's designed for you to be collaborative, compassionate, and to exercise that extra amount of trust. That applies as a wife, as a mom, as a stepmom, as a grandmom. That you, you need to be collaborative, compassionate, and full of faith here in the body of Christ at North Point. God didn't design you to sit on the sidelines, to be sponges or takers. In the body of Christ, he designed you to exercise your giftedness, to use your skills and abilities, to be faithful to the calling that he has given you. You need to be collaborative, compassionate, full of faith in your work environment as well. I mentioned last week, there's not a lot of clarity um, in in terms of how we're supposed to work in the world except as as, as we honor Christ. But I think if this design is a part of how God designed women, That it's going to carry over into that world as well. Um, God has called you. If you're working, God has called you to the workplace. He's called you to the people that you work with. He's called you to the tasks that you're entrusted with. Whether you're in your office. Whether you're working in a factory. Whether you're teaching a classroom. Whether you're out selling in the marketplace. Whether you're working from home. Does being compassionate tender. Does being a collaborator, to a helper, does, ex, does exercising an extra amount of faith through submission mean a woman can't be the highest level of leader in the marketplace, can't be a CEO, can't be a manager? It doesn't mean that at all. As I was kind of processing through that and trying to think through, how's this apply in the work world? It brought me back to probably one of the best business books that's been written in the last 30 years, a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. In that book, Collins talks about different levels of leadership, command and control, the, the person who just gets everybody to follow and do what they want. And, and he uses a term that he says is a level five leader. A level five leader is the highest level of leadership. It's a person who doesn't, um, who doesn't draw the attention to themselves. it's not a charismatic leader. It's a a person who feeds into others and allows them to get the credit for everything good that happens. It's a person who is so committed to the vision that it sees beyond their role into the future. A level five five leader is laser focused on people, on helping them grow and succeed. Uh, That kind of leader doesn't just see a task and lead through command and control. A level five leader is compassionate a level 5 leader is a collaborator a level a level 5 leader recognizes that there's always someone that they need to submit to even at a ceo kind of level there's still people that you're responsible to that you have to be willing to to hear and submit willingly to their desire it i think this blueprint design, uh, it, it applies Into the marketplace as well. Ladies, if you're single, whether for a season or a lifetime, God has designed you to be collaborative, compassionate, and to exercise that extra measure of faith. Live that out at North Point. Live that out at work. Live that out in your extended family relationships. Uh, Teens, God has hardwired you to be collaborative, compassionate, filled with faith. That means that you don't live for yourself in middle school or high school concerned only about your grades, your activities. It means that you're speaking up and in relationship with the people that you work with, regardless of whatever that job is. It means that you don't, gals, it means that you don't act like an airhead or become more concerned about your appearance than anything else. It means that you've got to find mentors that can help you discover, help help you figure out what it means to be collaborative, compassionate, and trusting, as you grow into womanhood. We, we talked last week about, about the idols that men are drawn to instead of God's design for them. I think there are idols for women that they're drawn to as well. Uh, here's what I think they are. Ladies, you can write me a question or straighten me out on this, but here's what I think they are. I think they're control, security, and manipulation. Ladies, the desire to control your circumstances is real. To control your schedule, to control your home, to control your future, to control your emotions. It's easy to think if I don't take charge, everything's going to fall apart. My life will head in a direction that I'm not ready for and I'm not willing to risk that. I don't want my kids to grow up the way I did. I don't want my husband to act like my dad. I don't want my work world to fall apart. So I'm going to control everything I can here. That's putting our faith in ourselves rather than in God. Control, I think, is an idol that calls to women. The idol of security, I think, is equally real. Insecurity means anxiety, and who wants that? The fear of being alone is frighteningly real. So you pursue relationships that you know drive you from Jesus. After all, it's a lot more secure to be with someone, anyone, than to be alone, right? That's not true. The opposite of living out the trust that God has called us to is that idol of security that you can experience that apart from God manipulation is, I think, the third idol that calls to women. Manipulating others is incredibly tempting. Um, when I talked about this with the staff, when I talked about it, uh, we kind of talked through this whole message. And they said, ah, isn't manipulation the same thing as control? I don't think so. Because you can try and control your circumstances lots of different ways. But manipulation has to do with um, using tools to try and make other people do things differently. Um, you can, you can control your circumstances, surroundings without ever using manipulative tools, simply by removing any choices for, for everyone, except the ones that you want. The appeal of manipulating others through your appearance, through your emotions, through giving or withholding your encouragement, praise and compassion. That's It's real, manipulating through sex, through the physical charms that you've learned over time. It's easy, it's easy, to fall prey to that idol of manipulation. Those idols are real. Let let me close the message with uh, three final truths. And man, hear my heart on this, okay? When we live according to God's design, we come alive. We struggle through life so much because we think that we have a better plan than God does. But when we live in that design, ladies, when you live uh, recognizing that God's given you this this role of of a collaborator, of helper, of of compassion and tenderness, of um, uh, of trust. When you live in that, all of a sudden, there's life that you didn't experience before. If you're discouraged, depressed, if you're down, if you have this sense that life is just, you're just slogging through it, let me encourage you to start each day by saying, God, would you show me today what it means to be collaborative, to be compassionate, to be filled with trust. In my spiritual, in my spiritual relationships, in, in, my, in my friendships that are around me, in my work, And every time the Holy Spirit nudges you, say yes. Uh, What will happen? I think that you'll experience satisfaction and purpose and worth and accomplishment like never before. Your relationship with your husband, with your kids, with your boss, with your coworkers, in your life group, with your friends, it will become dramatically different. You will come alive like never before. Here's, Here's another truth pursuit of any design other than god's will not bring lasting fulfillment if you think you know what i can't risk doing what you're saying today right it's that it's it's just too scary understand that when we set the parameters when we when we say my design is better than god's it will not bring fulfillment um, do, do you do you, ladies do you feel like you need to be cold and unfeeling at work do you feel like your family's gonna fall apart if you're not managing your husband and controlling your home? Do you, do you think you don't want or need to be involved to be collaborative here at North Point? You can live that life, but it will not bring fulfillment. You may experience some pleasure, but it's not gonna last. It won't create a lasting sense of joy and satisfaction that comes from living in God's design. Um, and I said this last week, but man, don't miss this. Everyone will be denied of what could have been if you don't, if you don't embrace what God has called you to, if, if you don't embrace that design. Last truth I wanna, I, I wanna just give you is this. God's design protects us. It protects us from devastation. When we chart our own course, it's going to end badly. God's design is there for us He's the one who knows us, who created us, and we can trust him. I come back to the foundational thought. It's this. When God is our desire, we can trust his design. Ladies, I would encourage you with my whole heart. Love God. Pursue him. Live for him. Live a life fully devoted to Jesus. Trust his design. Embrace his design. Live for in his design. Let's pray. Lord, um, we trust you. Like Peter, God, we say we believe. Help us in our unbelief. Um, Father, help us. Women, men, help us, help us to live in the design that you've created. Help us to be the people that you've called us to be. God help us to impact the world the way that you want us to impact the world. God help us to help us to just wrestle with this stuff and to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.